0: Welcome to Starkville Church of God. This is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, strengthens you, and fills you with God's love so you can share with others. Enjoy the message. Exodus 15 and verse 22 is where we're going here this morning. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for getting up. I know that you probably would have rather been still sleeping, some of you but I appreciate you getting up and being here this morning. Exodus chapter 15, verse 22. I'm going to be reading from the King James Version this morning. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance And there he proved them and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and wilt do that which is right in his sight and wilt give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. I want to speak to you on the subject of one of the names of God that we find many of them, especially throughout the Old Testament, Jehovah Ropha. Would you pray with me right now? Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to be in your house, Lord. I pray that you would just be continue to minister to us today. I pray for every person under the sound of my voice listening here. I pray, O oh Lord, that you would just allow them to be good ground, that the seed of the Word of God would fall onto good ground and produce a hundredfold harvest in Jesus' name. I pray that you'd help me today, that you'd give me the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech, God, that is absolutely necessary for me to do what you've called me to do. Thank you that today, Lord, and every day, you are our healer. And so, Lord, we just declare healing. In this house today, and we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Before you're seated, would you turn around to four or five people, give them a fist bump, and tell them, I'm glad to see you in church this morning. Bitterness, unfortunately, is a major problem among Christians. I know that we would like to think that that's not the issue, but unfortunately, it is. Only God himself really knows the amount of damage that is done by this negative emotion. And really, when it comes right down to it, it is sin, You see, you've probably heard me say this before, but it's such a problem and such an issue in the world today, even among Christians, that I think it's just great to remind everybody every once in a while that bitterness and unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You know, I've been there before. I've been angry at someone I've been very, very angry at people at times. I've been hurt by people at times. Sometimes I've allowed unforgiveness and bitterness to stay. And and you're so mad at that individual. Don't don't bump anybody. Don't point at anybody. But just think with me right now. I think probably all of us at some point in our lives have found ourselves bitter at someone before. And when we hold on to that bitterness, many times we feel like I'm going to hurt that person. or I want them to feel what I'm feeling right now. But when we hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness, it's really counterproductive and does the exact opposite because when we think that we're going to hurt that person that has hurt us by being bitter and holding that unforgiveness, really it's like us drinking the poison and expecting the other person to die because many times, unfortunately, they don't even realize that you're mad at them. Y'all are really quiet, this awkwardly quiet this morning. Are you still awake? Somebody say amen. There we go. You're still awake now. So let's look at a few things. Let's look at, first of all, the situation, where they're at in Israel's history. They've just crossed over the Red Sea. They've been through the plagues. They've been through all of the great plagues that God put upon the Egyptians. He spared every, every single one of uh, the Israelites. He spared them from all of the plagues, including that final and worst plague of the death angel. Where he said, if you will put the blood, apply the blood to the top of your door and the doorpost, then the death angel will pass over. Of course, we know that that was pointing toward Jesus, toward Calvary, toward the blood that would cause the death angel to pass over. They had escaped Egypt as Pharaoh had let them go. He changes his mind and then begins to pursue them. They come to the Red Sea. They're hemmed in between the mountains, the Red Sea, and Pharaoh behind. And what does God do? He opens a highway in the middle of the Red Sea where they walk through, and that then as they they have crossed over the pillar of fire, lifts Pharaoh and his armies, pursue, and the Red Sea that had once been uh, the thing that was holding them in, their problem, then their problem becomes the solution, and the Red Sea does what? It swallows up Pharaoh, all of his armies, and their once problem becomes the solution to the problem and takes care of Pharaoh. And then they find themselves on the other side, and uh, I can remember back in the old days a little chorus in chapter 15, uh, then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously, the horse and his rider fell into the sea. The Red Sea has just collapsed down on Pharaoh and his armies. They're watching them wash up dead on the seashore. Those that had meant to destroy them, those that had meant to kill them, now their enemies were dead, washing onto the seashore, and suddenly they've taken a praise break, if you want to call it like that. They're there on the banks of the Red Sea. They take a praise break. They're thanking God. Miriam's pulled out her tambourine. They're shouting, they're rejoicing, they're thankful, but it doesn't take long. Three days, in fact. Three days' journey into the wilderness, and three days' journey into the wilderness, they find themselves with no water. They had a crisis on their hands now again. Now, they had been in crisis many times before. As I've already said, they had just been through the crisis of being trapped by Pharaoh. First of all, the crisis of being enslaved by Pharaoh, released by Pharaoh, pursued by Pharaoh, and then God took care of Pharaoh. And now here they are yet in another crisis. Even after God had delivered them already, they find themselves in yet another crisis. Three days in without water, then they finally found water, but they could not drink it. Why? Because the water was bitter. You see, they thought the crisis was over only to realize that it wasn't. Now, I think I've been there too. Maybe you have. I've been at those places, and it becomes very disappointing, doesn't it? You, you've, been, you've gone through something, and, and you've had a problem, and then all of a sudden it looks like what? It looks like the problem is over. They had been thirsty. They had been traveling. They had been going through the desert, the wilderness, and they needed something to drink. And all of a sudden, you know, we have, we have over a million people traveling here, and all of a sudden the ones in the front begin to see something. They get three days in. They get to Mara, and they look and the and the person i'm sure ahead of them they had lead spies and people that would go ahead scouts and they come to a place and they see in the distance what water They see water in the distance, and suddenly I can imagine they begin to say, water, water, we found water. And people begin to rejoice again that they have found water. But then as soon as they get to the water and they scoop it up, or however they did it at this point, we don't have the details of that, whether they had a cup or some sort of of skin of canteen or how earth they got down and just lapped it. But at the first drink of this water, they really realize that what the water was bitter and so just as suddenly as they felt like the problem was over they realized that the problem was still there and you see bitter water isn't good for much it looks good but it's not good can I tell you something as we are here and we're children of God if you're here this early I know most of you here today most of us here we're Christians we're children of God. Water that is bitter really isn't good for much. And can I tell you that if we as Christians allow ourselves to come bitter, it causes us not to be good for much either. Bitter waters just are not good for anything. They couldn't drink it because it was bitter. And now they found themselves. I believe that the, that it was only escalated because they find the water, they get excited, and then the water that they found is now bitter. And what did they do? They did something that Israel, time after time, Throughout the first five books, the Pentateuch as we read in here and we read about Israel time after time to Moses and Exodus Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. We find that they would do something that they were really good at. It said they murmured against Moses. Many times we read that, and I kind of I kind of sometimes read that and i just get all sanctified feeling, or can I say sanctimonious feeling? I'm like, Why, what's wrong with those people? But Then I just have to stop and reflect a moment, and I realize I do that too. Many times I murmur. Many times I complain. I murmur. It's not Moses. I don't complain to Moses, but I complain to myself, or I complain to my wife, or I complain to those around me. I complain, and I murmur, and I grumble, and I gripe against it. And the people murmured against Moses, but really, in all actuality, it was not against Moses, but it was against God. Why? Because it proved that they had a lack of faith in God. God had called them. God had said, I'm going to take care of you. God had said, I'm going to provide for you. God had told them that I'm going to take care of you. I've taken care of you. I took your people to Egypt in the first place to get you through a famine and to multiply you, and then I got you out of there, and then I delivered you from Pharaoh, and now here we are again, and you once again have a lack of faith that I'm going to take care of you. and I just tell you, we complain about a lot of things, but can I tell you that when if we're not careful, we'll find that a lot of our murmuring and our complaining is really not against other people, but it's against God. And it's because of our lack of faith. This was foolish in the light of their recent deliverance. And I told you this already. We've gone through this, what they've already seen, what just at three days ago they're shouting and having a praise break on the banks of the Red Sea where their biggest enemy was defeated. But only three days later, they're complaining and murmuring and griping. But, folks, don't we do that too? Don't we complain? Don't It doesn't take long. God can bless us. God can prosper us. God can do something great for us. And we're like, oh! God, why is this happening to me? Why is this going on in my life? Why is this happening? God, don't you love me? Why have you lost control of everything? You see, the waters weren't the only thing that was bitter. Bitterness and lack of faith always go together. They stick together. The lack of faith and bitterness are right there. You see, because bitterness at God, first of all, three things. Bitterness at God is at God because we don't believe His goodness. Or we'll come in and we'll sing, You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. You know, and then we get out of church and something happens and we're like, God, why did you let, do you not love me? Why did you let this happen to me? Bitterness at God is because we don't truly believe His goodness. Bitterness at circumstances because we don't believe his providence. Because we don't believe that he's truly in control of things. Listen, I'm not saying, it's natural to be afraid. It's natural to look at what's going on in this world. It's natural to look at wars that are going on right now. It's natural to look at things and be afraid. That is human. That's the humanness of it. That's human nature. But we become bitter at circumstances, really, because we don't believe His providence. We become bitter when something bad happens in our life, really, because we don't believe He is in control. If we truly believe, what He said, that He wants the best for us, that He's taking care of us, that we're the apple of His eye, that we're the sheep of His pasture. If we truly believe His Word that tells us these things, that says He's never seen the righteous forsaken nor received begging bread, if we truly believe in His providence, we won't become bitter in our circumstances. Thirdly, bitterness at people because we don't believe His ability to handle them. Listen, we all, again, don't poke anybody or point anybody, but we all, from time to time, run into problem people. Anybody ever run? Again, just put it straight up. Everybody ever run into a problem person before? <laughs> You've run into a problem person before, and that problem person, some are more problem, some of them are just some are just aggravating, you know? Some of them you just go to, you just, you know, you just go into a store, you go into a restaurant, and they're just like... Man, I'm trying to be as nice as I can to you. You've got to, you know, I don't know what your problem is, but I don't have to deal with you much more than three minutes So I'm done ordering my food, and I'm done with you, you know, and I'm going to move in. Oh, God bless you, help you. But then there's some people that are in your lives in certain ways that are problem people that you can't just get rid of that easy. And you've got to have, when you become bitter at those people, It's because we don't believe, again, the bitterness goes back to our lack of faith in God, because we don't believe that God is able to handle those problem people. Can I tell you, we've got to believe that God is able to handle every person. The Bible tells us that the heart of the king is in the hand of God. We look back at the story where you just go back a couple of chapters and you look at Pharaoh and all the roller coasters that was there. God was in control of Pharaoh the entire time. There is no person too powerful. There is no person too angry. There is no person that's got too much authority that comes against you in your life that God Almighty can't take care of. So then we find the answer in verse 25. Look at that again. And he cried unto the Lord. We could stop right there and say, when's the last time you took your burdens to the Lord? When's the last time you took your problems to the Lord? Have you been taking it to Facebook? Have you been taking it to your friend? Have you been complaining and griping to your spouse? Have you been telling everybody that would listen at work? Or have you taken it to the Lord? He cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree which when he had cast in the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. You see, a tr- the tree cast into the water stands for the cross, which sweetens the bitter. You see, I believe here we have a moment in history. I believe that this was a prophetic moment that Moses, this great man Moses, I believe spiritually, God showed him a tree. Now yes, we know that in the moment, it was going to be an actual tree that was right there in the moment with him that they were going to throw into the waters. But I believe that it went much farther than that and much deeper than that. I believe that God, this was Moses who had been on the mountain with God. This is Moses that had been at the burning bush with God, I believe that Moses had a prophetic moment in his life, and not only did he just see the tree that was about to immediately heal those waters, I believe that he looked ahead in time and saw a tree that was a cross that would be on a hill called Calvary, where the Savior of the world would die on it. I believe it's just like if you go back one book before then, in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 8, as Abraham and Isaac are headed up the mountain, and Isaac says, Daddy, where is the sacrifice? And Abraham looks at his son, and he said, God will provide himself a lamb. Abraham wasn't talking about the ram that was about to be in the thicket. Abraham prophetically looked ahead in time, and he saw the lamb of God without splot or blemish, and saw him as he was giving his life for him. I believe this was a prophetic moment in those Life where he looked ahead and saw that it would be the cross of Calvary. It would be the cross that would be tossed into the bitterness of a life and make it sweet again. Amen. Give God praise. That's all right if you want to do that. And so God made a covenant with them there. He said this He said, If thou wilt hearken, do right, give ear, keep my statutes. Now, I know we live in a time and a day, especially in our nation right now, where we just like to talk about the blessings, and we just like to talk about what God will give us, and we like to talk about the grace. But can I remind you today that God does expect us to listen, to do right, to give ear, and to keep the things that He's given us in His Word. Somebody say amen. He said, if you'll do these things, he said, I will put none of these diseases upon thee that have come upon the Egyptians. He's telling them, listen, I care about you. You are my people. I'm going to take care of you. What happened to the Egyptians? I will protect you from those things. Why? Because he said, I am the Lord that healeth. How do we apply this in our lives? You see, I believe we can escape the plagues that come as a result of violating God's conditions. Can I tell you this? I know, and you've heard me preach enough, that even as Christians, we are certainly not going to escape every heartache. We're not going to escape every pain. We're not going to escape every sorrow There's going to be things in our life that we're going to have to face, even as Christians. But I can tell you this also. I also believe that I, and I have seen, and I'm not even even going to start testifying about him, but I've seen people go through some junk that they never would have had to go through if they'd have just listened to what the Lord said. Again, I'm not saying you can escape every one of them. You're going to have some issues. You're going to have some problems. But there's a whole lot of mess that I have seen in my life. There's things that I could have escaped if I would have just done what God said to start with. He can heal bitterness through the cross. The bitterness of sin. There's no bitter thing in our life worse than sin. I want to remind you, And I I know I drill this into you, but I mean it. No matter what we change throughout the years, no matter what, forms we change, or no matter what what, what men preference things that we change, one of those things that we can never escape and will never quit, quit preaching and we'll never quit talking about is the cross of Jesus Christ. And I believe that there is still only one way to get to heaven. Jesus has said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man will come to the Father but by me. And how did Jesus do it? He did it through the cross. And the only way that we will find redemption from sin, the only way that we will find the forgiveness and remove the bitterness of sin in our life is through the cross. Every single one of us must accept what Jesus Christ did at the cross. He can heal bitterness toward God. Now there are some people that they've gone through these they've gone through things in their life and they've been hurt by people. Some people have been hurt by fellow Christians. Some people have been hurt by the church. Some people have been hurt by things in life that they blamed them on God and they become bitter toward God. I believe that still through the cross, they can release that bitterness. And when the cross is thrown into their life, the waters can become sweet. He can heal bitterness through the cross towards circumstances as we are a special purchase possession and when we look at what's going on in our life, sometimes we get aggravated and we get frustrated and we don't understand, God, why am I going through this? And you know what? Sometimes we just got to throw the cross in it and say, Lord, I don't know why I'm going through this. But you know one thing that helps us? But if we, if we just go back to the cross, we can remember, but Lord, you went through so much more. I know there's some people that have some rough times, but I don't know of anybody here that's been falsely, put on a false trial. I don't know of anybody here that's been spit on, that's been lied on, that's been hit. I don't know of anybody here that's taken the cat of nine tails and it's torn all the flesh off your back. I don't know of anybody here that's had a crown of thorns pressed onto your head. I don't know of anybody here that's had nails, nailed through your hands and through your feet and nailed to a cross and suspended between heaven and earth until you've died. And so when we stop for a moment and we throw the cross into our situation, suddenly we realize, God, I don't have any reason to be bitter towards you, and I believe it's through the cross that bitterness toward others can be healed. You see, again, I'm not saying some people actually do us wrong, some people hurt us, some people mistreat us. Pe- people are—we're in need of a savior. People in our in our human nature, we are—we're terrible, we're bad. We're in need of a, we're we're sinners in need of a Savior, and people do bad things to one another. But I believe through the cross, through the cross of Jesus Christ, that if you've got bitterness towards somebody, that you can throw the cross into that situation and find healing that you could never find in any other place. You know what else I believe? I still believe what He said at the last. The last of verse 26 that we read, For I am the Lord that healeth thee. I still believe that God is able to physically heal our bodies. I still believe it. I still believe in in calling for the elders of the church, anointing people with oil, praying the prayer of faith, and that God, that the prayer of faith will save the sick. I believe that he is still our healer. Stand with me, if you will, please. Something about bitterness is that bitterness is neither inescapable or unavoidable. At some point in our lives, all of us are going to run into situations that we have to come face to face with bitterness. But God has made provision to care for our bitterness just as he did the children of Israel. You know, sometimes people get bitter. I was listening to podcasts by Dr. Mark Rutland this past week, and he began to talk and reminded me. He was talking about healing. And he began to remind me, you know, sometimes we get get mad and we get bitter at God when God doesn't heal here on earth like we thought he would. And sometimes we forget about the importance and the perfection of the ultimate healing that comes in heaven. You know, sometimes we do. Sometimes we've lost. We've, we've heard it kind of humorous the way that, that he put it. We, we forget about the greatness of the healing of heaven and the perfection of heaven and what's after this earth. You know, sometimes people get mad. Papa, oh, he was 86 years old, and we prayed for him, and he died of cancer. He, he, he loved the Lord. He knew the Lord. He got cancer, and we prayed for him, but he died, and I'm just mad at God. Why? Because if he knew the Lord and he loved the Lord, then what? To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And That 86-year-old body, it's not hurting anymore. It's not in pain anymore. Sometimes I think we forget about and we are, we are devaluing the, the value of heaven. And I know we go down, we go, and we can, we can go down in age and even, even to, listen, I've had to deal, I've seen it. And we struggle and we deal with, what about the loss of a child? What about the loss of an infant? You know what? Let's throw the cross into it. Who knows what that child might have faced in their life? Who knows what path that child might have went through in their life? But what we do know that is if they died as an innocent child, then what their destination is total and perfect healing, eternity in the arms of a Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, many times we have devalued heaven We have devalued the eternal forgiveness and healing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does he still heal here on earth? Absolutely. I've seen it. Many of you have seen it. How many of you know God is healed? Maybe he's healed you. He's healed somebody else. Come on, let's see. He's healed. We know that he does. Our job is to believe him for it. And when, when it happens, we praise him for it. But maybe it doesn't happen just exactly like we thought it was supposed to. What do we do? We just praise Him anyway. Why? Because we still believe in the providence of God, that His best is going to happen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. find out more about us, follow us on social media at StarkvilleCOG. Special thanks to those who generously support this ministry. If you would like to give, visit us at startvillecog.com forward slash give. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.